Okay. Okay. Welcome to Access to Justice, where everyone is always happy all the time. Life is so easy. <laughs> we should actually talk about that at the beginning. Talk about how, like, how people pretend that everything's so amazing on LinkedIn and everything, and like, it's not. <laughs> Sometimes it's not. Sometimes, yeah, I'm having a day. I'm having a day. <laughs> Welcome to Access to Justice. I'm your host, Evan Clark of Gahane Law. My co-host is Heather Malarek of Merrick Law. And we are joined today by our very special guest, Kim McDonald of McDonald Advisory. Kim is a financial advisor and insurance advisor with Raymond James Limited. Um, so, ladies, how are you both doing today? Let's start with Heather. No, you go first, Kim. How are you doing today, Kim? <laughs> Before you popped on, Heather, I was telling Evan about this eyebrow move that I learned on a TED Talk about how do you get, how do you be unauthentic and get people to like you? Is it inauthentic? The, the, the website said unauthentic. Unauthentic to get somebody to like you, whereby uh, there's like a couple things you need to do. Lift your eyebrows like this. People like that. And smile like big. <laughs> what is that, a quick, is that a quick double up? Like, is that what you're demonstrating? I don't know. Maybe the more you do okay. it, the more people like you. So I thought, uh, I thought that would be important for our viewers to know if somebody doesn't like you and you want to change that. Do a couple eyebrow moves, little smile. I mean, you got to be careful with the eyebrow moves, Kim, because yours look a little on the flirty side. Uh-oh, that we don't uh -oh. want that. Yeah, you don't want people like you. I, I assume it's not going after that type of making people like you. No. The other thing was, the way it came up, Heather, was I showed her the liner of my suit. Oh, it's colorful. It's purple for those that need to describe the video because you're on the podcast. Um, and then that got her. That was one of the things, right, Kim? Yeah. Squinty right. eyes, fl like flashy colors, that kind of thing. Raising people eyebrows. Like, people like that. Yeah, that all sounds a little flirty, actually. It does sound a wee bit flirtatious, smiling and eyebrows and flashing. Smiling eyebrows. <laughs> uh, it is both inauthentic and unauthentic. Well, it might be inauthentic. Unauthentic is like not made or done in a way that reflects tradition or faithfully resembles an original. Whereas inauthentic is not in fact what it is said to be not genuinely belonging to a style or period lacking full reality or sincerity. Yes. That's the one that they named the TEDx wrong. They called it unauthentic. Well, that's maybe inauthentic. It was, maybe it was just the YouTube, but uh, I'm glad we cleared that up. Heather, yeah. how are you doing today? <laughs> Don't you want to be authentic though? Or no, you want to be inauthentic well, or unauthentic? If you're not naturally and you need some tips and tricks, that's oh. where we're going with that. Like I see. If you're authentically just a grump, uh. here's some ways you can still get people to like you. Gotcha. So to be like inauthentically authentic. <laughs> authentically oh. likable <laughs> gotcha gotcha okay interesting um how am i doing i'm having a bit of a grumpy day i'm having one of those days you know speaking of authenticity i guess often you know we're like talking about how, like oh gee, yeah it's great everything's wonderful smiling away i've actually had a very annoying day and um maybe our listeners would be i don't know shocked or entertained to hear that um that uh sometimes lawyers just spend a lot of their day dealing with tiny little almost inconsequential paperwork details so i've been having one of those days where 
Um, I don't know. I joke that there's often like one file on my file list at any given time, and it's got an invisible black mark that I can't see. But if you send it out into the world, if there's going to be a problem, it's going to be on that file. It somehow is picked up by, by people. So if there's going to be a problem with execution of documents or with the bank or at land titles or whatever. If something's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong on that file and it's going to go wrong every single time. And that's just kind of what's happening so that's been my day but I'm you know this is a nice space to be in <laughs> it's nice to take a break from that and see both of you and yeah, have a chance to chat you're amongst friends here yeah we're a friendly yeah. space yeah yeah you know and also if you're talking to your lawyer today maybe just smile at them and give them a little <laughs> eyebrow raise, you know? <laughs> They're people too. They're people too. <laughs> Wear some colors. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. How are you doing, Evan? Um, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have any, like, I feel like I have something to say, but I mean, Russ, is starting here on Monday. Mm -hmm. Congratulations to you both. That's very exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Today's Wednesday. He's starting on Monday. So there's been some, like what you've been experiencing today, Heather, in the military, we would call that spinning. You were spinning a little bit. Mm, okay. Spinning induced, perhaps not by yourself, but by somebody else who is forcing you to spin. Mm. Perhaps could be described that way. Mm. I think Russ has also been doing a little bit of spinning. Mm -hmm. also induced by other people, his current firm that he's at, uh, to try and like, you know, finish, like just administratively get things sorted out so that they're satisfied. Uh, yeah. so I think he's a little, little feeling a little stressed right now, kind of trying to finish getting ready for the transition, but overall, we're both pretty excited to, to be starting this next chapter. So mm -hmm. For our listeners, Russ is Russ Schmidt, who is a lawyer and pal of ours. He's also a collaborative lawyer, and he is going to be joining Evan at Kahane. Well, on spooky Halloween, hopefully that's a good omen for both of you. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to have a tandem costume on Monday to celebrate his arrival? <laughs> well, I guess we'll have to do that now that you mentioned it. PB and J, yeah. or maybe you could be like peas and carrots. Yeah. I don't know. Just those are just off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, Ren and Stimpy. Or... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, Anyways. it's a lot of work, but it'll be nice to have him there, and it'll all get done. This too shall pass. That's what they say, right? Yeah. No, I'm. I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's going to be good. Mm -hmm. So what are we what are we doing today with our very special guest, Kim McDonald? I'm really excited. I think Kim's going to tell us all about a new government program. Is that right, Kim? This is a big deal. This is a big deal. Not very often are new accounts, types of accounts created uh, where investors can put their money. And the government is rolling out a new account. Uh, they said January 2023, but uh, our expectations are for some time in 2023. And uh, this is a big benefit to potential home buyers so that's the conversation today potential yeah. home buyers okay tell me more tell us more well first have you guys heard of the tax-free first home savings account i did hear about it on the last episode of access to justice <laughs> <laughs> but yeah before you mentioned it last episode the answer was a big no and, you know, I think like what you said is so true. The last time we had a new status of account was back when the conservatives were in power and they introduced the TFSA tax-free savings account for Canadians. And uh, this sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, Kim, and I know you're not an expert in American tax, like uh, exempt accounts or deferred accounts, but this sounds kind of a little bit similar to what Americans have been doing for years. Right, isn't it? 
I couldn't tell you. I've, I've only just cracked my Series 7 U.S. licensing textbook. So okay, you're not there yet, but when you get that designation, you'll let us know. We'll do a future podcast on comparing uh, who's better, Canada or the United States in terms of investment programs. <laughs> for tax avoidance, for legal tax avoidance through investing programs, I think it's probably the United States. But anyways... <laughs> So like, this sounds super exciting. And, and like, so before I get overexcited, uh, I want to hear about it so that I don't, so I can bring myself, you know, ground myself a little bit before I get too pumped up. Yes. Okay. So the first thing is that it's a confusing or hard to remember name. So the, the, the first home savings account shortens itself to the F. H-S-A. Now, you couldn't say that three times fast. F-H-S-A. It does not roll off the tongue. I don't know how we, maybe we just call it the fish account or something. Oh, the fish or the FISA. 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 The FISA account. Make sure you aspirate that F. FISA. (laughs) So this, this beauty of account is sort of a combination of two types of accounts. Uh, they take a little bit from the RSP, some of the good ideas uh, from there. And the government took uh, some good ideas from the tax-free savings account and sort of smushed them together and created the first uh, home savings account. So w- when we say savings account, what comes to mind, you two? Um, well, when you just say savings account, what comes to mind is a way for the bank to exploit your dollars by and paying you almost nothing for that privilege. Uh, usually savings accounts, well, all savings accounts in Canada right now are grossly below, uh, inflation. So you're losing money by saving it in that account. Your money is becoming worth less over time. They pay like 0.5%. Interest and if it's a high interest savings account, it's like one point five percent annually. So that's what comes to mind first off the bat. But that being said, we also have this tax-free savings account, which has no relation to a savings account you put your money in at a bank. It could be one of those, but it could be invested as well. I'm hoping it's more like the TFSA than like a you have to put it in a bank account. Yes, the the answer is yeah, uh, yes. It's it's awesome. So it, it so to, the reason I brought that up was when the tax free savings accounts rolled out, people went to the banks if they if they invested at the bank, or they went to their investment firms if they invested with an investment firm, and uh, they were their money was put to work. Many many people who went to the banks ended up putting their money in sort of a high interest savings account type of idea or a GIC, they thought that was their only option for investing their money because it was called a savings account. The, the, the actual accounts are actually for investing. So we call them savings accounts, they're investment accounts. We can do a whole pile of interesting things in these accounts. So if you roll into the bank and they say, let's put it in uh, a GIC, that isn't your only option. You can buy stocks, you can buy bonds, you can buy GICs, exchange traded funds. Uh, You can do anything that you could do in an RSP and tax-free savings account. Uh, What you can't do is buy private companies. You can't buy land and you can't buy general partnerships inside of these accounts for obvious reasons, but everything else you'd expect to do with investments, you can do in these new first home savings accounts. So that's one exciting thing uh, to know about. Um, don't don't screw it up. Uh, do, do what's right uh, for your money. Um, a lot of times people invest their money without paying too much attention to the risk. So It is important that I note here that you should talk to a professional when it comes uh, time to start these accounts because they might be shorter term. And in that case, maybe you don't want to 
have a lot of risk inside the accounts. Uh, if they're longer in nature, longer term in nature, maybe maybe you can add some some higher risk investments. But it is important to pay a lot of attention to your timeline for investing um, with regards to the investment risk that that you uh, you have in the account. Any questions so far? Well, what I'm hearing is. Um, if someone's going to open one of these accounts, the FISA, they uh, can do whatever they're allowed to do, but you recommend they meet with somebody uh, like yourself who has, who is credentialed and can help them a figure out what their trust, their, um, their risk tolerance is in the first place and help them make a plan that fits their risk tolerance so they're able to meet their goals with that as opposed to just shooting from the hip. And, uh, yeah, is that, <laughs> I think for most people, yes, there's, a, there are investors out there who are very, very savvy and sophisticated. They know what they're doing. They don't need sure. to go to a professional. They can, they can self-manage these types of accounts over at uh, quest trade or well simple. That's no problem. Uh, but because they are probably uh, a shorter time frame than you would typically have for an RSP, uh, you do, you, you should be mindful of your risk tolerance. So if that's not something you're super clear on, then yes, correct. Evan. Mm. Right. Um, now I've, it's funny. You said you can't buy land with it. That would be kind of funny if you bought land with your savings account for buying land. <laughs> um, but my question is, and I don't know, even know the answer for GFSAs. I think I know the answer for RSPs, but if you, for example, are going to Questrade or you have somebody else working on your investments for you, do these accounts have to be 100% cash secured or can they be a margin type account? Mm, that is not in the CRA um, missive that's come out yet. So uh, I haven't heard anything about margin on these types of accounts. So for our listeners uh, who, who aren't sure what margin means, it means that we can leverage our account. So borrow uh, to invest. And uh, there are some things because this hasn't uh, been officially approved, these accounts, we don't have all the little fine print on there. So that's a good question, Evan. Um, I imagine what will spit out is probably the same rules as a TFSA and RRSP. Um, where and those are cash secured, right? Yeah, mar margin, you can have margin accounts. So, um, oh, you can? Yeah, but it depends on the firm and, you know, where, where your money is. But okay. it's probably not, I mean, when you think about it, if these accounts are shorter, li likely shorter term, um, margin might be a risk, again, that people, sh you know, should really consult. <laughs> yeah, we're not giving any advice of where you, how you should invest your money. We're just talking about options here. Yeah, options. So the answer is we do not know okay. um, what that answer is. Well, I didn't know the answer for TFSA or RSP either. So now I know a little bit more about those. So it's good. Mm -hmm. So what else do you have for questions? Well, how does it work, Kim? That's what I want to know. I heard you. Yeah. It's called the first, first home savings account. I'm guessing that it's got to be somebody's first home, but can you maybe tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So the people who would be opening this, these accounts would be residents of Canada. You must be a resident at the time of opening these accounts. Okay. You've got to be oh, like 18 years old plus uh, no minors can have these types of accounts. Okay. Uh, when you're taking money out, you also need to be a resident of Canada. Uh, in between, not necessarily a requirement, but if you're opening the account, you must be a resident. If you're withdrawing money, you also must be a resident. And what else do we have here? Yeah, the purpose really is for saving for a home. That's where the benefits lie. Uh, the idea there is that if you are putting money into these accounts and the money's growing, 
tax-free, which is amazing. A lot like a tax-free savings account, it grows. Any of that growth is not going to be taxed in the account. So it's going to be growing, growing, growing. And uh, once you have a qualifying withdrawal, and we'll get to that down the road, then you can take this money out tax-free and you don't have to pay the account back like you would with our friends, uh, the RSP home buyers plan. Oh. So um, there, there are some neat little benefits there. Also, when you add to these accounts, you get a refund like you would contributing to an RRSP. Shut so the front door. Wow. Awesome. So that's why it's kind of like a combo between an RSP and a TFSA. I mean, not all things are equal. I but... didn't believe that that was going to be how it was a combo because I thought that sounds too good to be true. That can't be what it is. But <laughs> that's amazing, Kim, what you're saying. So you're saying that people that are struggling to save money for that first home, they can put money in the FISA. It's going to reduce their taxable income for that year the way that it does for an RSP, when you put money in an RSP, then it can, when you take it out again, it's still tax-free. Yes. And you oh do my gosh, this is you amazing. Do okay. So pay it back. <laughs> what are the, what are the limits? Uh, so $8,000 a year up to a lifetime maximum of $40,000. Yeah. Okay. There's the and catch. keep in mind that your of contributions though. Yeah. What's that? Sorry. Of contributions. Yeah. Contributions. Your contribution room starts building the year you start this account. So if you think you might be a potential home buyer down the road and you meet, uh, there's other eligibility uh, criteria we'll get to. If, if you meet all of this, uh, all the eligibility requirements, you want to start these accounts Immediately, if you're 18 years old, you don't have to add to the account necessarily, but your contribution room starts building when you open the account. So that's an important thing to know to not put it off. Now, you might have to pay administration fees on the account, even if you're not adding to it. Um, investment firms uh, generally charge anywhere between 50 and $133. So that might be building up in your account, even if you're not funding it, but it's worth it to get that $8,000 in room. So that we don't actually know how all this is going to play out, but that's kind of um, what's, what's come down the pipeline from the CRA that it, there's, it's a very good strategy to start these things off right away. Yeah. My only concern is man, 40,000 is not enough. Like, uh, so again, I mean, that's better than nothing now if it's tax free yeah. growth no, and you get a deduction. That's, that's you're right. You're pretty right, Heather, sweet. Heather. I did not get that. I'm still paying back my home buyer's RSP withdrawal. I'm assuming yeah. we don't get grandfathered in, Kim. We don't get to go no, back. <laughs> yeah, what's tough is people who pulled out from their RSP home buyers, the maximum they could pull out in, though, in that strategy is $35,000. And then you're paying that back over 15 years so that's 195 dollars a month that you got to pay back until it's it's all back in the account with these new accounts it's a, a little bit more it's forty thousand. plus you don't have to pay it back plus it was worth if you added forty thousand. remember you get that refund if you're smart you're going to put that extra money at tax time into your tax-free savings account so that forty thousand would would probably be bigger if you're really disciplined with the strategy uh, to put down on your next home. And, and yeah. I mean, that, that really is one of the, the, I don't know, the beautiful things about this account. If, if you are disciplined and with that refund, it should go into your tax-free savings account to juice up the deposit on your, your future home. Uh -huh. Yeah. I just wish it was higher, Kim. That's all. Like, <laughs> we, like you're in Vancouver or Toronto and you're like, Yay. I got $40,000. I mean, it's going to grow ideally, right? Like 40,000 is what you've contributed. And let's say, you know, you've been able to max that out and you've had good growth because you just have made amazing decisions or everything has gone your way. Yeah. That could be double that. Sure. But still like, even if it's 80,000, I'm going to go put this as a deposit on my $2 million house. And it's not even like a nice house. It's just an average house. I just happen to live in Vancouver or Toronto. 
Yeah. Some people might be wondering if they can use both the RSP Home Buyers Plan and the new uh, First Home Savings account. And the answer is no. But Heather, to go back to your question, for people who have put money into an RSP in in the future, hoping to use the home buyer's plan, they can actually transfer the money from their RSP over to these new accounts. Um, they lose that RRSP room that they originally had uh, in the account, but uh, they already got the refund. So it is just a straight transfer over into the new account and you can, you can go that route instead. So for not you, but others, they have hope. <laughs> for you, there is no hope, especially not today. No. <laughs> There's also one thing also to note that with RSPs, you don't, if you add to the account, you don't necessarily have to make a claim on that contribution that the year you, you put the money into the RSP. The same thing goes with the first home savings account. So you can put the money in, but you don't necessarily have to um, let the CRA know that you did that until the future if that benefits you. I mean, talk to your accountant about your strategies, but, uh, how far in the future uh, you can carry it forward indefinitely oh, cool. and, uh, and deduct it later on. So that's, that's the same as the RSP, but there is no 60 day, 60 day thingamajig. Um, a lot of people might know that you can add money, uh, 60 days into the, into the next year and, and get the credit the, the, these accounts don't work that way. It's a calendar year. So, okay. um, so you can't yeah. be doing it after you've like, as you're getting ready to file your taxes or whatever, you have to do it in the calendar year to get credit in that calendar year. So there's, a, there's maybe a little bit of risk there if you haven't, if you haven't figured it all out perfectly beforehand, but I mean, I think moving forward, Kim, that's just going to be just talk. You're going to want to talk to your accountant so you can plan in advance. And some of that risk is taken away because, you know, like you said, you can carry it forward indefinitely. So you're not losing out by contributing to it, but you might lose out by not contributing to it. Huh. Yes. Could be. <laughs> hmm. Well, this is really, this is really exciting. Notwithstanding, I wish it was bigger. <laughs> the limit. Yes. What's the limit of, of TFAs up to if you were like able to contribute from uh, the beginning of TFAs, TFSAs? Uh, they started in 2009. I think it's uh, in 2022, you could add 81,500. And then we'll get a inflation boosted contribution this year for tax-free savings accounts of 6,500 uh, for 2023. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Can you talk a little bit? I mean, we've kind of been just assuming that people know what an RSP is and what a TFSA is uh, and now the FISA. Um, so you, I've got a good idea of now what the FISA is, but can you explain as if the listener has no idea what an RSP is or a TFSA is? Yes. A tax-free savings account is an investment account. Again, we call it a savings account, but you can you can invest in a whole host of things inside. Uh, that, that's an account that is really meant to be grown because the benefit to the investor is not paying tax on the growth. So if you had it in a savings account earning your 1.5, you wouldn't pay tax on that 1.5%, but wouldn't it be better if you didn't pay tax on 5% or 6% or 10%? So the, the idea with the tax-free savings accounts were is uh, to, to grow the accounts and, and not pay tax on that growth. So when you take it out, it doesn't count as uh, taxable income. So for example, if you're in your retirement years and you want to keep your income down, uh, RSPs don't work great in that regard because they kind of act like a paycheck in retirement. They, they It's taxable money coming to you and it affects your tax rate uh, and, your, and potentially your old age security benefits. And we'll get to that on a future podcast about um, retirement. But um, 
it is it is important to know that you can take money out and it doesn't affect your income. So a great a great potential uh, account for people down the road who are concerned about that and, and how income might affect their government benefits. So tax-free savings accounts are amazing. They started in 2009, as I mentioned. Um, the amounts you can contribute change all the time. So if you're not sure what you can add to the account, uh, you're, you're going to want to go and, and sleuth around on the internet to figure out what it is that you have for room. You can go into the CRA's uh, My Account portal. You would create an account for yourself. You can pop in there and right on the main page, uh, it will tell you how much room you have to contribute to your tax-free savings account uh, right now. If you get it wrong, uh, the penalties apply the same from the tax-free savings account to the first home savings account to the RSP account. You have to pay 1% per month on the amount that you contribute over what you're actually allowed to. So you definitely want to pay attention to how, how much you're allowed to add to these accounts. Uh, and again, you can have multiple first home savings accounts, multiple tax-free savings account, multiple RSP accounts, uh, but your contribution amount does not change. So, oh, bless you, Heather. We, we hear you sneezing a little bit down below. Sorry, I tried to mute before. <laughs> That's a cute Sorry, little sneeze. That's very, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, definitely pay attention to your contribution amounts because uh, again, with the first home savings accounts, if you add more than you're allowed, you're going to be paying a penalty to the CRA and that's not fun. Now, no. uh, with the RRSP accounts, uh, they were created to help people with retirement savings. When you add to the account, everybody talks about a refund that you get when you file your taxes. So if you're kind of curious what it actually looks like for yourself, if you add money to your RSP, what kind of refund you can expect? Ernst & Young, if you Google Ernst & Young RSP calculator, they have a great little tool uh, that you can find easily on the internet. You put in your income, that that you, like your T4 income from your work, and then it'll kick out what you will get for a refund uh, from your RSP contribution amount. So you'll put in your income, you'll put in how much you want to add to your RRSP, and it will tell you what you can expect back. And that will work the same for this first home savings account. So when you see that amount, you kind of want to set that aside in your in your head because you want to you want to put that towards the future. You don't necessarily well, you can, but you don't, it's not a great use of your money to take your refund and, and off you go to Mexico because with the RSP, eventually it they kind of ask for it back. So when you add to your RSP, uh, picture it this way, that you don't pay tax on that money because the government loans it back to you by way of that refund. When you take the money out, you will be paying tax on your RSP money because you never theoretically pay tax on it because you got it back. So you don't really want to be spending that money. One of the big benefits to the RSP is getting that extra money and investing it and doing smart things with it or paying down your mortgage with it. Uh, it really should be used uh, in, in that way to get the full uh, benefits of, of the account. So yes, uh, so you want to pay attention to refunds both in your RSP and in your first home savings account. And if you're if you're a really disciplined person and you pop those into your tax-free savings account, uh, you're you're just doing all the right things. Any questions? Um, I still have a couple questions about the saw Kim. Um, yes. I jotted them down. So first of all. What about withdrawing? What do we know about that? When can you withdraw it? Uh, can you buy a condo with it? Can you buy an investment property? Does it truly have to be your first home, like for real? Or what if you had a home 10 years ago and then you've been renting and you're going to buy another home? <laughs> That's a lot of questions. Let's go to the first one. What about withdrawal? When can you withdraw it? <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so yeah, what, one of the biggest benefits of having this account is if you're using it to buy a home, you're getting the money out tax free. If you're not using it to buy a home down the road, it will be taxable. So, so if you don't think you're going to use it for a home, then it's probably not a great account for you to have. You can transfer it to an RSP down the road if you've got the room, uh, if you don't think that you're going to use it. Um, but again, in the end, you got a refund in, in this account. When it comes out, it's going to be taxed in, in, some, in some way. So, so that's an important consideration. Now, in terms of uh, rules in place on actually getting the money, so, so remember, you have to be a resident of Canada to take the money out. Um, originally, when you open the account, you, you cannot have owned a home in which you lived uh, during the part of the calendar year you open the account and the preceding four years. So there's okay. rules in place when you start this account. So when you ask that question, do you truly have to be a first time home buyer? Uh -huh. The answer is no, you just have to meet those requirements. And, and as you guys would know, in family law, there was a recent change with RSPs for people who had a marriage breakdown. They were divorced and they needed to be able to buy a home. You, you might be wondering, will there be relaxed? rules for people in a marriage breakdown. And uh, I called the CRA today because that information is not publicly available on the CRA website and they did not have the answer for me. So I cannot give that answer to family law lawyers right now. Um, but the person I was talking to on the CRA, she kind of had a twinkler in her eye and thought that that uh, that might be the case in this particular plan. But we, we do not know the answer um, about that particular question. Um, so, so there is that. Um, there are rules. I'm just trying to make sure I don't miss anything here because there's a lot of details on the account. Uh, do you, oh, sorry, go ahead, Heather. Do you have to buy a home that you're going to live in? Yes. That's, okay. that's the, it has to be your intent to, to live in the house for like the next year. Okay. So they say, you you must have a written agreement to buy or build a home in Canada by October 1st of the following year that you take the money out. They say you must intend to occupy the qualifying home as your principal place of residence within one year after buying or building. You can take the money out as a lump sum chunk, or you can take it out in a series of payments. Okay. So that's kind of the details on the withdrawals. Is that helpful? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So yes. you might want to be putting it down as the down payment, or you could pull it out, it sounds like, afterwards and be putting it towards your mortgage or whatever. You can just withdraw from that account as if it's a bank account. Is that right? I think it has to be withdrawn within that qualifying year. I don't right. know for sure on that, on that point, but I think, I think it's once you make that qualifying withdrawal, your this account is done. It's got to be emptied sort of within that year, but yeah. Okay. Interesting. So it, it closes. These accounts can be alive for 15 years. Um, or as, as old as 71 years old. Uh, there are rules uh, in that regard to how, how long you can have the account open for. And you can't open another uh, first home savings account, um, according to the CRA, um, once these accounts are, are withdrawn for a qualifying home. But you can have two accounts while it's alive. Uh, I don't know why you would want to, but uh, you can. How about a young couple that are saving for a home together? Can they each have an account and buy a home together and use their 40 plus 40? Yes, they can. So, so you can't have a spousal 
first home savings account. That's not a possibility, but one spouse can give money to the other spouse and there's no income attribution. Uh, so that's something you don't have to worry about. Each person would have their account. And on death, uh, if your spouse is your successor on the account or your uh, common law uh, partner, then they would absorb that account. And it wouldn't, if if they're eligible, uh, you know, they have to be eligible to have the account themselves. They would absorb that account and uh, it wouldn't impact their contribution room to the account. Okay. And if they're not eligible, well, you're taking it out and you're paying tax on it. Same thing if you have a beneficiary that's like your child or, or somebody else. Um, if it's if it's not your spouse or common law, when you take the money out, it, it's going to be, your investments are going to be sold. It's going to be cashed out, taxed, and off it goes to the beneficiary. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, is that all of my questions? What if you... What if you don't ever buy a home? Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. so, the, so the quandary is, you know, what do people do? Do they keep going with the RSP and, uh, you know, keep going the route of the home buyer's plan? Do they open the new accounts? What do they do? And like, we, we kind of think it's pretty obvious that the best, like the most exciting route to go is this new account. Um, so you would, you would fund the first home savings account and likely transfer what you've got saved in your RSP over. And with your refund, you would top up your tax-free savings account. Uh, and then your RSP would be uh, more likely for your retirement. And, and it, it does, it is a big benefit to you as your earnings are higher. So with RSPs, the benefit to you is not paying, paying tax, like getting that refund when you add to the account. So if your tax rate's not very high, you're a young person per se, um, you don't get as much bang for your buck adding to the RSP when you're younger. So, so, you know, maybe this is actually a perfect, like a, sort of a poetic uh, scenario now for Canadians where they've got a clear direction to add to the first home savings account for home buying. They've got their tax-free savings account to save up their refunds. Um, and uh, they've got their retirement savings account, their RSP for their future retirement. But I mean, you can, if, if you like the RSP route and you want a disciplined um, means of paying that money back, then the home buyer's plan is, is a good option because you're going to be forced to pay that money back and pay back your retirement. With the first home savings account, you take it out. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't know like how many people are going to be that motivated to pay their retirement back. <laughs> They're going to use it um, and, uh, you know, maybe start the retirement savings later because of it. I don't know. I mean, it, it, I guess we'll, we'll see when these accounts become available and we see how people start using them and uh, how effective they are. Yeah, I guess it's pretty hard to predict at this moment, too. But I'm kind of thinking in the back of my mind, too, like we've been looking at inflation and the housing market is like been really hot for a while. It's kind of cooling off now. But I wonder, too, if you have this like glut all of a sudden of people who have a big chunk of money to be putting on a home. Is that going to affect the housing market and um, home sales and that kind of thing? Um Probably, I, well, I don't know. I guess we just don't know how many people are going to take advantage of them and when they'll be using them then to come into the market. But yeah, parents can chip in money too. That's that's an okay thing. Uh, they just have to be aware that when they give the kids money for these first home savings accounts. Uh, that's going to be their kids' money going forward. They aren't, they aren't going to really have any legal recourse to get it back. So if parents want to gift their kids some money to start off these accounts, uh, according to the CRA, that's perfectly fine, um, but it's theirs. <laughs> Do the parents get to write it off? I'm guessing no. Yeah, I was going to say, does the do the parents get the deduction, or is it still the contributor? I don't, I don't know. Actually, the paperwork on on what's involved there. I imagine parents mm -hmm. would have to give it give it to the kids, but um, and the kids would get the refund. But that's actually a really good question. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I 
you know, I know this isn't a particularly helpful comment to make, but I just wish that, uh, you know, they had a retirement account or, um, yeah, you know, account category like this that allowed people to remove it from their current income and then not pay tax on it when it cam- comes out. And my, my justification for that would be, you know, CPP is people are always talking about it being underfunded or having, you know, the unfunded liability increasing and, and, you know, so maybe you you give people a little tax bone ability to pay less taxes on, you know, but it has to be used for retirement, et cetera, you know, something like that, then maybe right. that will relieve a little bit of the pressure on CPP. I don't know, but huh. obviously I just don't want to pay taxes. So that's like a great way to not pay taxes. It's like I said, not the most helpful comment, but, um, I think like this, this sounds pretty exciting. It's like, it's another tool, right? It's another tool for people like you, Kim, where you're helping, helping us to save and plan for the future is like something else that can kind of help leverage in, in your favor, in the right direction. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. It might not be. And when you think about it, I mean, the only reason the government created these accounts was because they knew that Canadians needed more help. Houses cost more money. People are having a tough time putting their pennies together to put a down payment on. And I don't know about you guys, but it always gives me anxiety when I hear those radio commercials of don't, you know, nothing down, buy your house, like, no, like borrow your deposit. It just like, it makes me so concerned because I mean, that's a big part of why the housing market blew up in 2008. People were, were borrowing, uh, so much and, um, uh, yeah, it just, it puts people in a pickle. So the more money that people can save up in advance, the less leverage they are, the less, uh, less, you know, these, I mean, I, I guess you just don't want to be paying off your mortgage when you're in retirement. So they, they want to give people at least some help so that that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. It does make me uh, a little anxious to hear those types of things because uh-huh. it's, um, yeah. And, you know, for some people, for some circumstances, that might be um, a great thing, but for, most people, it's usually more prudent to just save and, and wait and, and get in when you have a little bit of, you know, that 25% equity. Like, you know, we've talked about insured mortgages on here before, and I have a great aversion to those, although sometimes those can be really good for people too. And if the housing market's going up, there's, that's a great way to get in the market. If the market goes down, they're terrible, right? And of course, that's the risk, right? You have no idea what the market's going to do. Um, but yeah, at least this is like another tool that people can use that can kind of help them get into the housing market. Exactly. Exactly. Uh Uh And it does sound like it's a nice way for parents probably to help their kids out too. I know that seems to be common, relatively common, at least what I, in what I see. So this would be a nice way for those dollars to go a bit further. It sounds like too. Exactly. So I guess we'll wait and see what rolls out. I know the banks and the investment firms don't have all of the required information yet to be able to roll these things out uh, right away. At least that's kind of what we're hearing. But uh, in in 2023, sometime, these accounts will uh, be offered to people. And uh, like, even if it started a little bit later in the year, you'll still get that full $8,000 contribution room. Uh, At least that that much has been uh, stated uh, publicly. So yeah, I think it's just kind of pay attention. I mean, anybody who has an investment advisor, uh, they'll be letting their clients know, of course. Uh, If you're a bank client and you don't have a uh, a financial advisor that you're close with or talk with uh, very often, reach out to them. You can bug them. and, uh, and let them know that you're interested and, and to call you when these accounts are available. 
and they should be able to help you out. They'll, they're, they'll be available at banks, credit unions, uh, all the financial institutions out there. So uh, definitely something that parents uh, of 18-year-old kids should be paying attention to. Let them know that these are important to start. And also young people who are uh, educated or just you know really want to do the right things in life, this is probably a great little starting point for your piggy bank. <laughs> well, that's, I think that's super helpful, Kim. I think that's awesome information. And this sounds like it could really, you know, I mean, it's, a, it's definitely a good head start. Um, so thanks for sharing all that news about the Kim, do you get... Do you get, does it happen very often where people come to you and they think that um, their RSP or their TFSA is like a, not just a vehicle, but an actual investment? Mm -hmm. People want to buy RSPs all the time, but unfortunately, yeah, you can't buy an RSP. You would open up an RSP account like a bucket and inside that bucket, you put things. So you can invest in a whole whole host of uh, products out there, but they sit comfortably inside your RSP. You cannot purchase an RSP. It, it just, the vernacular is just not right. Yeah. And I want, I can't help but wonder if this is something that's like <sighs> perpetuated by the evil uh, big banks. I sh shouldn't call them evil on our podcast. You know, we're, we're agnostic about that, but you know, the, the big banks in Canada, as soon as TFSA was a thing, they're like, come in and open a TFSA. And I think that contributes to people thinking that it's just a savings account. Right. And so my hope is that when people hear this, that, you know, they'll see, Oh, okay. They'll have a little bit more understanding that the FHSA and the TFSA and the RSP are all, special categories of account that you can use to invest in almost anything in the investment world. Almost. There's obviously there's some things that you can't talk to your financial advisor about that, but they're not a thing. They're not a product in and of themselves, no matter what the bank makes you think. I just thought of two more things I should let people know about the, uh, the new FHSA accounts are not creditor proof. So um, RSPs are, so if that's something that's important to you, then uh, you don't have that kind of protection inside the FHSA. Uh, another thing that might be important for people is there are certain insurance uh, uh companies, I don't know what you call them, associations, industries that protect investors' money. So the CDIC, the Canada Deposit uh, Corporation, Insurance Corporation, or is it Insurance Corporation? That sounds right. That sounds right, Kim. Want me to fact check you? I'll fact check you right now. Yeah, fact check me. It's kind of late in the day here. It is. Canada Deposit, <laughs> Canada Deposit Insurance Corporation. There we go. So they have categories of insurance um, that they protect investors with. And the FHSA doesn't yet have its own category. Typically, people's money deposits are protected up to $100,000 um, for, for bankruptcies and, and failures of, uh, of investment firms. But in this case, we don't actually have that information yet. I imagine that's something that's being worked on. It's not so easy to just update everything. Um, but it, it, there is no CDIC coverage on it right now, and it's October 2022. Hopefully by January when these roll out, it'll be part of the program. So for people who are nervous um, about their monies, then uh, that's something that they'll want to pay attention to. Okay, good things to know as well. I think Kim, can you explain to uh, the listeners what creditor proof means yes. or did you i don't think you did <laughs> i didn't when people no. go i mean this 
this actually is a great uh, plug for for Sandra to have Sandra Lan uh, Landry back from uh, MNP to talk about protecting your monies from bankruptcy. And uh, RSPs are a protected uh, account. Um, I know I've talked with Sandra about this in the past, where when people run into trouble with their money, they pull money from their RSPs without consulting a professional. And uh, sometimes trustees uh, don't necessarily think that's the place to pull money from it's 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 protected from from creditors in your bankruptcy so um we know that the the first home savings accounts are not creditor proof right now so if it is important to you then the rsp um home buyers plan might be a better route for you if you're if you're worried about your um your situation well okay thanks for explaining that and yeah. I think I've told you everything I know. I mean, hopefully all these rules don't get changed before these accounts actually get rolled out. But uh, I do have a video that I put together, a little cartoon video, and uh, I will post it on our, our Access to Justice uh, website um, and put it on the LinkedIn page uh, that we have for this podcast. So people can watch the little video. It'll have all these nuggets in there. And uh, it might be, uh, for some learners, it might be easier for them to watch a video and pause it than listening to me rattle off all this information over a podcast, because there's a lot to take in. And uh, uh, in one go, it's just, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, well, I'm... I'm just glad I know you. And so I got access to this bleeding edge news about the FISA. Um, and so I'm excited. I'm excited about that. It's a great, I think it's a great tool available to us now. And, and I really hope people are able to use that to legally avoid paying taxes <laughs> to the maximum extent possible. And, uh, you know, that it'll help them on their financial journey to, uh, yeah, so they can, they can prosper. So that wonderful, just wonderful, Kim. <laughs> Thank you for having me on the podcast. It was very exciting to be here again uh, as as the true guest, uh, giving uh, important financial information to people, help help them along their journey, try and uh, make sure people don't mis make mistakes along the way. Yeah, um, I have a closing question for you. Um, can you just? Tell us about the painting that's on the wall behind you. I find it pretty interesting. Well, that is a Betty Ann McCready uh, work of art. So my mom is an oil painter and uh, she she painted those poppies for me. And uh, I thought they would be a great addition to my office because they're bright and they're cheerful. Um, and I think my mom's a pretty, pretty fantastic artist. So, uh, so yes, this is the poppies uh, painted by my mom. And I have a painting that I'm doing that I, I can't wait to unveil uh, on one of our upcoming podcasts. It's a raging bull. I've been working on it. I also oil paint because I've been on crutches so often in my life that sometimes you kind of run out of things to do. So my mom, uh, I was super lucky. My mom taught me how to paint. Wow. That's awesome. It is a beautiful painting. So that's why, uh, you know, I wanted to hear the story behind that. I'm glad to hear that it's a Betty McCready original. Exactly. Um, and you know, maybe one day I'll be well healed enough to buy my own Betty McCready original. Yeah. Well, you have to call her Betty Ann. Otherwise she'll get angry at you. Betty Ann McCready. Yes. Okay. Or BA. I mean, she wants people to know she's cool. So you can call her BA McCready. You could butter her up and you might be able to get one of her, her, uh, her paintings. All right. Good. Noted. <laughs> BA McCready. That just got a nice ring to it. Love to get one of those. The painting behind me that has still not been put on the wall, uh, was done by my daughter. I don't know. I probably already mentioned it. I think I already mentioned it when it first appeared in the background. I think you were recording when you mentioned it. Maybe, maybe not. That's, yeah. that's amazing. It's a cheerful painting. It looks a, a little bit Euro, almost like olive trees in the background. Yeah. yeah I think it's Italy or something. Um, it's just a door with like a jar in front and like a pathway and some tree branches hanging down and stuff. Um, bless her. It took her a long time. Not like it took her a long time to paint. It took her a long time to like 
come back to the project and finish it. I think it felt daunting to her at times, but um, I love it. So it's going up in my office. Art's important. Uh Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Okay, well, that was awesome. Thanks again, Kim. Heather, always a pleasure to see you. Likewise. Any information in this video is general information only and is not, nor is it intended to be, legal advice. Watching this video does not create a lawyer-client relationship. You should always seek the advice of a lawyer or other qualified professional for advice regarding your individual situation. While we take care to ensure that the information contained in this video is accurate and up-to-date, we make no warranties or representations as to the suitability, completeness, or accuracy of the information contained in this video. Any reliance you place on the information is at your own risk. Kahane Law Office, Merrick Law, Heather Mallorick Professional Corporation, Evan Clark Professional Corporation, Evan Clark, Heather Mallorick, and any guests will not be responsible nor liable in any way for any content, including but not limited to any errors or omissions in the content, or for any loss or damage of any kind incurred as a result of any content communicated in this video, whether by Evan Clark, Heather Mallorick, or by a third party. Kim McDonald is a financial advisor with Raymond James Limited. Information provided is not a solicitation, and although obtained from sources considered reliable, is not guaranteed. The view and opinions contained in this media are those of Kim McDonald, not Raymond James Limited. Securities-related products and services are offered through Raymond James Limited, member Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Insurance products and services are offered through Raymond James Financial Planning Limited, which is not a member Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Raymond James advisors are not tax advisors, and we recommend that clients seek independent advice from a professional advisor on tax-related matters. Insurance products and services are offered through Raymond James Financial Planning Limited, RJFP, a subsidiary of Raymond James Limited, which is not a member Canadian Investor Protection Fund. When providing life insurance products, financial advisors are acting as insurance representatives of RJFP. Darkness of the Dales dissipates, declines because of he who turns.